0: Big situation, um, you got to dig deep. You got to yeah. dig deep inside. There is a certain amount of belief and faith that you have to have in yourself, in uh, the universe, that you will get to that next mile, mm-hmm. um, that you will get to that next step. And I think that's uh, informed my athletics practice and also uh, my spirituality and, and how I understand my Jewish journey.
1: I'm Rabbi Deborah Waxman, and I'm so happy to welcome you to Hashi Venu, a podcast about Jewish teachings on resilience. I'm so happy to welcome today my guest, Rabbi Jason Bonder. Jason graduated from the Reconstructionist Rabbinical College in 2015, and he now serves as the Associate Rabbi of Congregation Beth Orr in Maple Glen, Pennsylvania. And Jason and I are going to talk today about embodiment in Judaism, about exercise and about being physically present and active in our bodies and in ways that that um, sustains our spirits, our brains, our hearts, our relationships. Um, And we're going to do this from a Jewish perspective. So welcome, Jason.
0: Thank you so much. It is an honor to be here and great to be back in this building here at RRC.
1: It's great. It's great to have you. So... We've been talking, you and I, about how to frame this conversation because often when in these um, conversations we start with the Jewish and we work outward, and there is a lot in Judaism about embodiment and, and about the body, about practices around the body. It's not an ascetic religion like strands of Christianity or strands of Eastern religion. There are commands that are directly oriented toward the body. There are practices around how we protect and maintain and even revere our bodies, um, even as I'm hoping our conversation will be about beyond that, moving beyond that. But I I wanted to to start with a baseline to talk about um, Jewish perspectives on the body and your thoughts on what resonates most deeply with you when you think about embodiment.
0: Sure. So I think um, your opening really actually kind of describes how I came to both worlds, uh, because by growing up um, both as an athlete and going to Jewish day school, um, these two things were both inspiring to me. They were interesting, but they had very separate tracks. Mm. It was only later on where these two paths collided, um, and it really opened up many doors for me to understand my Judaism and uh, and my fitness life, and they really complement each other. It's a Symbiotic relationship, and sometimes it's hard to figure out like which one leads to which and which one inspires which. I think it's very much both coming together. Um,
1: Will you tell the story about how they came together?
0: Sure. So um, I mean, it, it definitely happened in many different ways, but I think most. Um, profoundly for me was uh, playing baseball uh, at Muhlenberg College in Allentown. Um, my Hillel director, where I was, I was working at uh, Hillel as well at Muhlenberg, and she hands me this article that says, hey, you know, they're starting a baseball league in Israel. Um, and so I went and tried out, and next thing I knew, I was uh, on a flight to Israel to get paid to play baseball. It was a, <laughs> just a remarkable thing, something playing at a Division Three school I never thought I would get the chance to do. Um, and so it was my fir- very first trip to Israel um, was to go and play baseball. Is that right? Uh, yeah, at uh, you know at 21 years old. So um, it was a tremendous experience that I found a lot of my uh, eyes my eye-opening experiences both in the athletics world, meeting just incredible people who I got to play ball with, um, and at the same time meeting all of these uh, inspiring people who really helped to shape my Judaism. So mm. it was a a wonderful place where the two. Worlds came together
1: and you you oriented yourself toward rabbinical school not that long after that, right?
0: yes, very much so. So I knew that I wanted to do something in the Jewish studies world, um, and so came back, did a master's at the Jewish theological seminary um and then uh, and started reading a little bit of Kaplan during that time and uh, and found my way to r r c that's great, yeah, well, that's great.
1: well, so when I knew you when you started as a student, one of the things that was really quite remarkable about you is that you showed up. You showed up fit and visibly fit, and you were really clear throughout your studies you were a very serious student and that you wanted to not sacrifice your body while you were studying.
0: Yes, very much so. So I came into RRC um, about ready to run my first marathon, um, and I did that um, in Philadelphia, and it was a wonderful experience. And actually, in a class with you, our our, uh, our minion uh, learners minion that I was in, it really was this chance for me to. Um, really feel inspired by prayer. And that was at the time, I would say in that situation, my daily runs that sometimes were euphoric and wonderful. And I had that runner's high and other days were, oh, well, I got to get through this run. All of a sudden, I realized that that also was very much a part of what prayer can mm-hmm. be, that some days there are these wonderful moments. I mean, most um, special to me, like the first Tuesday morning davening uh, at RRC was just always this amazing experience. And, and other mornings, you know, struggling with prayer or whatever was going on in my life, um, but recognizing that actually through my marathon training, that you know what, if I if I get through this day, I know that another good one's coming and that ultimately I'm working towards something, um, some goal to whatever that goal is, to make myself, I guess, a better uh athlete or a better, uh, better Davener. And not in the way of just the words, but really uh opening up my heart to whatever it is i'm saying that day or need to say that day
1: i think that it really gets to the heart of what it means to commit to a practice whether that practice is a spiritual practice or whether that practice is a physical practice is like it's about the it's the practice it's the container and a lot of different things happen in the container but if you've made that commitment then there there's something that's intrinsically cultivating of resilience is what I want to say. It's it's something that holds us up if we commit to that practice, even as it's up and down, even as it's qualitatively different. But then when we look back and say, well, the commitment is to prayer, even as the experience is completely different, the commitment is to running. So for me, the growing edge is it's much easier for me to commit to spiritual practices. Than it is to, for me to commit to exercise practices. So, I mean, I have a very, very strong meditation practice that, like, my day, my morning feels off if I don't meditate um, or if I don't chant. And um, versus, like, with exercise, I, I'm just constantly beating myself up. Oh, I didn't exercise today. Why? Well, I really need to exercise, but I haven't quite broken through in in that way where you've you've been able. For you, it's a yes. It's a yes and it's a both. And for me, it still feels like it's a. They're oppositional somehow.
0: And I do think that I, uh, especially coming into rabbinical school, and I would still say now I lean towards the exercise. It's Mm -hmm. part of how I grew up. And I think it's enhanced my Judaism because for a lot of ways, and, and my Jewish journey, it's enhanced it because I think I'm able to draw on things that I know viscerally. Like I know what it's like to get out on that run on a day where I just have to push a little bit more. And I understand that in my body, um, in a way that then I can transfer that knowledge, uh, maybe from from my bones and my muscles up to either and either or or both my heart and my head. Um, then I'm able to say, okay, this is what I need to transfer into my prayer practice or whatever spiritual practice it is I'm going into that day.
1: No, it's very important for me to hear that. It's very powerful. You've we've, you've also spoken to me about your relationship with God is also informed by your running practice. So. Can I ask you to say more about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's a phrase that I've heard, I think, even before my running days, but in baseball as well, that in a big situation, um, you got to dig deep. You got to dig deep inside. Um, And that for a long time was just ingrained in me as this thing that I would draw upon uh, to help me in my athletic endeavors, Um, whether it's mile 20 of a marathon, and you just feel like you've hit the wall, um, and and you have to reach down deep inside to figure out how you're going to get through this, how you're going to get past that mile. Um, that to me is very much connected to my theology. Uh, I struggled with the idea of God being uh, this being that is out there and somehow uh, and somehow only out there. I felt that it was uh, much easier for me to understand God as a force in the universe that helps us uh, and that we can draw upon that fountain. Uh, one of my favorite Ideas about or word plays uh, in in rabbinic tradition is the idea that bracha and brecha are so closely uh, tied. So blessing
1: and fountain. Yes,
0: exactly right. So that the idea of blessing as a fountain that springs forth, um, I'm able to picture that as as a way that is very meaningful to me in my theology that it comes from within us that we're created B'Tselem Elohim in the in the image of God and that very much. Um, that when I need that extra push, I can believe, and, I, and I, don't, I don't always use those words like belief and faith, but there is a certain amount of belief and faith that you have to have in yourself, in, in uh, the universe, that you will get to that next mile, mm-hmm. um, that you will get to that next step. And I think that's uh, informed my athletics practice and also uh, my spirituality and, and how I understand my Jewish journey.
1: It's so interesting because I, I also really resonate with the, some of the natural images that our tradition offers up for God. And for me, very related is Ma'yan, like wellspring. And I think, you know, there are a lot of people who don't resonate with the image of God as king or ruler and who therefore think that they don't believe in God or they don't have access to religious language. And and I I think about a moment in my life when I was just really struggling, and even though I don't believe in a personal God, I had been doing spiritual practice and asked for help from God, not knowing what I was doing, but I'd never done that. That was a, that was a new stance for me. And I, I, I literally just said, I can't do this by myself. Help. And just in the asking, I went from such a narrow place to such a place of expansiveness. And mm-hmm. and I think about that line uh, from the Psalms. We sing it in Hallel, Min Karatia, from a very narrow place. I call to you, Anani va Merkavia, I was answered and brought out to this wide-open, God-filled space. And so that idea of, I, 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 for me, I will never run a marathon, but I'm very proud that I I did the the breast cancer three day where I walked 60 miles over three days. And there were these moments where I was, um, I just, it wasn't some. actually, I didn't have a problem finishing any day, but I slept at home. And at the end of the second day, which was it was that day was a 23 mile day and at that point i'd i'd walked wow. 44 miles in 2 days yeah. and my wife was coming to pick me up and i didn't know where i was because they they really preferred you to sleep there and i didn't know where i was and she said to me you know she was desperate to get to me because she could hear how tired i was and she said where are you i said i don't know and you know i just burst into tears and like kind of hung up the phone and she resilient, resourceful as she is, she found me. That's when I had to to dig, you know, like to, it was actually it was after it was over, but the, in the aftermath. Yeah. Um, I,
0: I wanna thank you for saying that because it actually, as you said those words from Psalms, it actually brought an image to mind of, especially at the very end of a race, generally things get more narrow. Uh, and it's an, also an opportunity to see the faces of the people who yeah. are there. Um, and, and so it also reminds me that while I am digging deep in a lot of, uh, in a lot of instances, um, I'm also able to reach out, not so much to the uh, transcendent God, uh, but very much to reaching out to people and to the people who have been there to support me. Um, the other like, big memorable race that I did was uh, I did the Iron Man in uh, 2014. Um, and I still remember um, coming down the chute towards the finish line being so happy that I had dug deep and really and gotten into this Place uh, that I, you could really call it a spiritual place to say I'm going to at some point ignore the soreness and all of the difficulty um, and seeing uh, my wife and my my parents and my in-laws all there uh, and actually and uh, at the time my son who uh, who I didn't see yet but was uh, mm-hmm. in in Rena's belly and uh, and so just knowing that all the things to come um, was was just an amazing way it, it was also a source of. Of inspiration and strength, and I think it very much speaks to community and uh, the, and Kaplan's ideas, um, which I know you can speak to much better than uh, than I can. But the idea that uh, that in that God is within community and that yeah. God shows up when community comes together, and uh, and when a community of family came together for me to finish that race, it was truly inspiring and uh, and certainly helped get me through it.
1: It's so interesting you say that, Jason. Because one of the, it's this is very helpful for me because I really have been struggling with an exercise practice, and I'm at the age where I know that the more I commit to one, the better it will serve me. Because I really want to age healthily and well. And the community piece of it, because I think I tend to think about exercise as a solitary activity. And hearing you and I, who has really kind of prioritized exercise throughout your life, but to hear like the team spirit of the baseball or the you know, the faces of people as you finish a marathon or this communal support as you finish the Ironman. And one of the things, the exercise that I, it's so easy for me to commit to is when I'm not traveling, there is a yoga class that I go to twice a week and I go to for the practice for sure. I'm much more likely to practice yoga in a class than I am on my own, even though I have the knowledge base and I have the mat and I have the space. And it's both for the the larger practice, and it's also for the people who I see at this particular—I mean, it's the teacher for sure, but also the people who I see. And I think this is a core teaching of Judaism that life in our bodies is with people. And however it is, we bring it—you know—we bring it to life. It is—it is rarely a solitary experience
0: yeah, for sure and I think and I think for you and I who are rabbis and also um, and you know just involved in Jewish life and in the physical world or the physical fitness world um, there's a lot of connection there immediately and uh, and it's also good to know that like it's not just us that like yeah. that um, so crossFit is a phenomenon that has just exploded over the past decade um, and right in front of me I brought in uh, as part of the homework that I did there was a New York Times article in 2015 and the title is When Some Turn to Church, Others Go to CrossFit. And it's a whole article about this idea that they captured a community element and a team aspect of fitness um, that helps people get there because you're not just going for you. You're going because you have an obligation, because there is someone else there who is expecting that you'll be there at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. or or 7 at night, whenever it is you go. Um, and that community piece is really powerful and can play out, I, I think, so many of those messages that I learned from being on teams all my life. And, uh, and I can't mention a team without mentioning my high school baseball team, uh, who they have uh, stayed with me all these years. I've now officiated many of their weddings. And that team has really helped me uh, in my life moving forward and uh, out of the sports realm and into the rest of my life and mm-hmm. has taught me a ton of lessons.
1: Well, so that, I mean, there's the article you mentioned, and there's this uh, really fascinating project that was created by these wonderful people, Casper uh, Panterquile and Angie Thurston. Casper and Angie were Masters of Divinity students at Harvard Divinity School, and they noticed exactly that phenomenon that places like SoulCycle or CrossFit, or also sometimes arts based organizations, were kind of taking on the roles that synagogues and churches used to play as intentional communities of people, sometimes across generations, not always, coming together into bonds of mutual support um, mm. for a particular activity and then beyond, and they started to look. They published a really interesting monograph. They've, now they've published a series, but the first one was How We Gather, looking at ways that these, these uh, newly emergent, many of them exercise-oriented or, or embodied practice communities were replacing, competing with, complementing the more traditional religious structures within which you and I work. And they're now working with a lot of other people as part of the On Being project, but they have been investigating and seeking to mutually influence both societies. And I think, you know, I actually think, I didn't think it when we started this conversation. I was thinking mostly about embodiment on an individual level. But the fact of the matter is science confirms what, spirituality teaches and what religion teaches that we are all interconnected, Um, that, you know, our cells are bound up in each other and that we cannot simply focus on ourselves without also tending to the well-being of of other people. And um, I'm very moved that this is how the conversation has gone because it feels feels very important, um, you know, and that I I think for me as someone who's trying to bolster my practice, like, I think one of the reasons it's hard for me is it feels selfish. Or you know, there's other things I should be doing or could be doing, and the idea that self care is in the service of building up relationship and building up community, especially if I'm intentional about how I structure it, that feels really interesting and really compelling to me
0: I, I think it it really is something that helps me as a rabbi and I think and dealing I feel that also the guilt piece of sneaking away for. Uh, exercise and especially being a dad of two young kids right now like it that's part of it too it's not just my job but also my other roles that I play in yeah. my life Um and to remind myself and I think this goes back to the idea of Hashivenu and resilience that like that without that time to go away and and be um, connected with something that means so much to me, but also helps my body um, and helps and helps who I am as an athlete, um, it will then help me become a better um, person. And I think it it really runs right into um, this idea of Shabbat, um, yeah, and yeah. and that that also this core idea. Uh, in Judaism, that after six days of work, um, it is healthier to rest um, and then start refreshed, um, which is something that I've heard. And and because being a big fan of this podcast, I've heard Rabbi Jacob Staub and and so many other people um, speak about in conversation with you. Um, For me, I can bring that also. And uh, there are lessons that I've learned about Shabbat um, from my physical activities. And really, um, one of them is just the idea that in any training plan, you look up if you are a bodybuilder, or you are an endurance athlete, or, or you're a uh, player of sports like basketball or baseball, there is a rest day mm-hmm. built in, mm-hmm. um, because it is a good idea, whether it's spiritual or physical, to come back refreshed and renewed. And actually, uh, the science says that it's really the days that you make the gains of, of what you're trying to do towards your goal on the off day, on mm-hmm. the rest day. Um, and I think that very much is translatable to Shabbat.
1: I think that's exactly right. I mean, so I've talked mostly about my struggle, but when I was training for the breast cancer three day, I got very compulsive about it. And I was following a training regimen and I was really resistant to the rest because I think, you know, I, when I do things, I tend to do them like 110%. And I was like, no, I gotta, you know, I gotta walk and train every single day. And that, that idea of, of pulling back, I had to really learn it when I think about what I'm doing when I'm not exercising, which is mostly working all the time. And it's not not sustainable. It's just profoundly not sustainable. I think for me, one of the most important teachings is the Midrash that says, you know, it's not that in six days creation was completed and then on the seventh day God rested, but that creation was completed by God resting on the seventh day, that the cycle of creation was in fact the full seven days, and that the rest was part and parcel of of the the entire creation
0: I think that midrash goes hand, hand in hand with my favorite um, blog post probably that I ever read. So being uh, in the Ironman world, uh, you get to become a fan of all of these top performers. Um, Chrissy Wellington is, I believe, a four-time Ironman like, wow. Kona champion, and she's this incredible athlete, and uh, and I'm certainly a fan of hers. And she wrote this blog post about how she says, I train 24-7. And people say, you train 24-7? Like, how Like, is that possible? And she says, because the rest is part of the training, that without that, I can't move forward. And so the rest is just as integral as any swim or bike or run session that she's going to do in a given week. Um, And that really leads to, uh, I mean, doing what uh, no one else had done before.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a great place for us to wind up, which is about like trying to adopt a, a holistic view of how we spend our days and nights and weeks and months and years, you know, like to do it in a way that is tending to our body, tending to our hearts, tending to our brains, tending to our, ourselves and our relationships and our communities, like to try to, to, to come to some kind of understanding where there is, it is part of a whole rather than segmented or broken up. And I, it's one of the things that I'm constantly looking to in Judaism is that there is a sense of shleimut, There is a sense of completion and wholeness and complementariness, and there are a lot of different pathways toward it, if we take the time and and commit to the practices that will help us get there.
0: So, definitely. Definitely. Right?
1: Oh, thank you so much, Jason. What an interesting conversation.
0: Uh, this, uh, this was a, a blast for me and really has helped me in my uh in my athletics journey and my Jewish journey as any conversation with you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you uh, would. Thank, thank sure.
1: you. Thank you for it. Give me a lot to think about and I'll fill you in on how it goes. Yeah. Um do. I want to thank my guest, Rabbi Jason Bonder, for our wonderful conversation about a lot of different things about um, embodiment, practice, community, connection, holism. For more information, you can find some of the resources that we talked about on hashivenu.fireside.fm. And you can also find additional resources on ReconstructingJudaism.org and on RitualWell.org. I'm Rabbi Deborah Waxman, and you've been listening to Hashi Venu, Jewish Teachings on Resilience.